0: Welcome to Managing Marketing, a weekly podcast where we meet and discuss the issues facing media marketing and advertising. Uh, Today, we're at the Groucho Club in London and I'm sitting down to have a chat with Jane Evans, who's the founder of the Uninvisibility Project and also, I have to say... One of the great creative directors. So welcome, Jane. Hi, how are
1: you?
0: I'm very well, very Good. well. The, and I always have trouble with uninvisibility. It's sort of a bit of a tongue twister, but what's the purpose of the Uninvisibility Project?
1: Um, it's very simple um, to make midlife women visible. It's like we are completely invisible in society. We're not shown in advertising. We're not shown in media. Um, we are supposed to disappear like, like old ladies of old. Um, but we're not like the old 80s of old. We're a completely new demographic that the world has never seen before.
0: Um, but the world doesn't see us. Well, it's interesting because you're really talking about the baby boomers, aren't you? It's a group that at, at, at that 50 plus is the baby boomers. I,
1: I, I, have, a ter- I have a problem with baby boomers. As a term? As a term. When, as, as, as a term. when, when I was growing <laughs> up, the, the baby boom was a term for a lot of babies being born after the war. It wasn't until Billy Idol came along and invented Generation X that all of a sudden these new generations arrived. Um, and as I was growing up, the baby boomers finished at sixty, um, and Gen X started at sixty-five. So there was this one generation that weren't part of this. this well, oh, it's me. Yeah, we're the punk generation, man.
0: We're, we're we were 60 teenagers. To sixty-five.
1: Yeah, we were teenagers in nineteen seventy-six, and we're the punk generation. We're this sort of like five-year group that is completely okay. different from anybody else.
0: Because I had a conversation with Bernard Salt, uh, who was a KPMG, he's a demographer. And uh, I said to said to him, Bernard, officially the baby oh, boomers finish in 65. And he said, that's right. and I said, But I don't feel any affiliation at all with the sort of values and the changes that occurred in society as the baby boomers matured. Like, you know, I missed out on greed is good in the 80s. right? But uh, he said, well, look, you're probably then Generation X. And I go, but I was born in 1961, you know, like on the numbers. He said, you've got to realise all these labels are just very, you know, they work to a certain level but they don't work on the individual level.
1: No. Do you feel the same way? Absolutely, absolutely. And also they don't, you know, it was like the boomers were not were brought up in a very different way than we are it was like equal opportunity legislation came out i was 13 years old mm. so i was one of the first generation that actually could choose a career it was like when we were born Divorce was almost unheard of, and you had to give up your job once you got married. Mm. So most of the girls that I grew up with actually grew up knowing that that was what their plan in life was going to be. So all of a sudden at 13, the whole world opens up to us. It's like, you know, so I I think our generation is, is all this five years, the 60 to 65, were given something that the rest of the baby boomers didn't have, and I think that sets us apart.
0: I'm feeling so privileged right this minute because you're actually giving me a sense of, you know, being special.
1: I do. I think, you know, 60 to 65 years, we, we, we were... 1960
0: to 1965,
1: we were absolutely at the cusp of change, and I think that's where, you know, the boomers turned into X, but there was this sort of, like, moment of anarchy in the middle which is why I like to call us the the, the punk generation.
0: So um, what was it that led you into a career in advertising and especially as a creative person?
1: Um, The tube posters in London. When I used to come up to London, I would walk through the tube stations and I would just go, wow, that's what I wanted to do. Um, I didn't know that it was advertising. I went and found out that, that it actually was advertising and found a course where you could actually go and learn to do advertising. So yeah, it was purely seeing these great images with words alongside them. I didn't just want to be a graphic designer. I liked images and words that made something new.
0: That actually communicated and made people feel things, yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Because you're an art director by so sort of, or you know, the visual side. But and I'm not saying you didn't write headlines because I know having worked with many art directors, they often and wrote some of the best deadlines. Um, are you more visual?
1: I started out as, a, as, a, as an art director until okay, okay. Um, I had a client reject an ad on a Friday afternoon for the Guide Dogs. Um, Jane Caro refused to work over the weekend. <laughs> Good old Vaughan, Jane. Yep. Jack Vaughan refused to work over the weekend. They were my two copywriters at the time. So I was like, shit, if we're going to make this, this deadline. I'm going to have to write it. Um, so I wrote my first ad over the weekend and it got into the book. It won awards. So...
0: Well, some of the uh, my, the best art directors I've ever worked with actually wrote some great radio ads because they would just have such a terrific way. And I still think it's a discipline of being a visual thinker but then using words to create the visuals, whereas a lot of writers, because they work with words, are inclined to work with the language rather than the visuals that they create.
1: But also when we started out, we, in the UK, we all went to art school writers mm. and art directors oh, went to I art try. school and so what would happen is is that ultimately one would make the decision to be responsible for how it sounded and one would take responsibility for how yeah. it looked but actually how you got there was never ever separated i think you know art, uh, copywriters mm. coming from yeah. a different place than art directors yeah. is actually a new thing um, yeah. and, and i think it's I, I think we we've lost a lot from copywriters not going to art school because i think they lose the craziness yeah. of the thinking yeah. become a bit too yeah. logical
0: yeah, a bit too rational. Yeah. Whereas it's all about emotions, isn't it? It's
1: all about emotions and how can we make these words work with these pictures? And they're not separate. So, you know, I think when David Droger came along and made the brighter king and brought in graphic designers to, you know, make his work look good, I think we lost so much when we created that new work way of working. Yeah. Whereas two people just battling it out in a room. Um
0: there's there's something special, isn't there, about that relationship? You know, I'm sure you've had, you know, well, you've mentioned Jane Caro, but there are certain relationships that they become so intimate because the process of creating is an intimate process, isn't it?
1: Oh, look, Jane Caro and I are complete opposites.
0: Yeah.
1: Absolute, completely opposite human beings, but there was magic in that. It was like, you know, we were big Jane and little Jane. It was like physically we're very different, you know, emotionally we're very different. Um, you know, we had very different lifestyles, but there was just some magic when we worked together. And, I mean, you've never seen a team that works so quickly in all your life. And it was like, I mean, I brought Jane back from maternity leave um, and she right. was working three days a week, five hours a day. So she was in there for 15 hours a week. And we just used to bomb through it. It was oh. like, and then the rest of the time, I'd do all the selling, the briefing, the, you know, all of, yeah, the, all of the bullshit but it was an absolutely perfect way to of working, um, yeah. you know.
0: Because it was such a productive relationship. It
1: was such a, you know, it a was A rewarding like, relationship. It was a reward and it was very much, okay, you're here, right, sit down, let's get on with it, like bomb through it, no mm. buggering about. You had five hours, three days a week to get the work. Yeah. And we just okay. did. And, you know, I mean, we still work together to the day and it was like, you know, we can we can crack most things far quicker than than younger people can. <laughs> well,
0: and, and see, that's interesting as well because, you know, we've the industry's talking a lot about the issues that in some ways the Uninvisibility Project is addressing. One is the invisibility, as you say. Um, there's two parts to that. One is gender, the other is age. Absolutely. You know? And it's bizarre how it, it the industry almost neglects the experience and wisdom that people gather over time and, almost, you know, it's discarded as, as being irrelevant. It's, it's
1: discarded what? as being irrelevant. Um, but also it's like some, for some reason they've got this this image that we're expensive. Now, I'm sorry, but it was like most of us can do our jobs two, three times quicker than a younger person. We've got experience that we know what, not, what traps not mm. to fall into. Um, and we don't make mistakes as often. So the argument that we're expensive to me is absolutely ridiculous. You know, it was like... If you know, if you're going to hire a fifty-year-old woman versus a thirty-five-year-old, the thirty-five-year-old, yes, yeah, she might be cheaper, but not if you hire the fifty woman, fifty-year-old woman for three days a week, because I guarantee you she'll be able to she'll do exactly the, the same amount of work done.
0: Okay, so I also believe that uh, women generally, and especially um, women that have had children, uh, become infinitely more productive than men. And women without children. And I tell you why, because in agencies, I've seen it time and time again. They come in, they focus, they get the work done. Exactly what you were talking about, Jane and Jane. You know, you would get a whole week's work done in 15 hours because that's the only way you can cope. With all of the responsibilities that you take on.
1: Look, I think it is absolutely ridiculous that business does not classify mother as motherhood as business skills. Mm. As far as I'm concerned, and and business is crying out for soft skills. Soft skills. This we need to find ways of training soft skills, measuring soft skills. This, that, and the other. Like, I'm sorry, motherhood is the Ivy League of soft skills. Exactly. And it was like you know, if you can get the, the you know it, the time management. I mean, if you can Negotiation get, skills if you can with a get, toddler. If you can get a five-year-old to eat broccoli, <laughs> you can get a client to do absolutely anything. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um,
1: you know, and I think you know, I, I think that that we need to actually, again, one of the things that we're doing on the visibility project is we've actually got to start relooking at women and their careers in a completely yeah. different way, and we've also got to look at it from a woman's physiology. And so, motherhood brings so many amazing skills, but menopause brings something even better, and that is zero baby making comments. Um, hormones going through your body so what happens as a woman when she comes through the other side of menopause is like she gets this incredible confidence she's got all of the you know the 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 confidence from being a mother Um, and you know I had this experience I mean there is zero imposter syndrome in a woman past menopause because she damn well knows her stuff Um, and again you know the industry should actually be starting looking at you know sort of this is the most powerful time in a woman's life we should be actually Hmm. making the most of
0: it. Isn't it bizarre how you know when you look at many uh, traditional indigenous cultures that older women were actually seen as the wisdom and uh, within that culture, within the tribe, within the grouping, because as you say, they've been through that life, all those life stages and they're also liberated from the all of the you know issues around childbirth and child-rearing and... Oh,
1: look, there's only two creatures that actually go through menopause and that's human beings and whales. And there's a couple oh. of belugas. So basically, we're the only ones overground that go mm. through menopause. Now, in whale culture, they go from being breeders to being leaders, right. which makes absolute sense that the people that are going, that, that, that the whales that are going to look after the pod are the ones that created the pod. Mm. Um, and again, I think we need to sort of look at... We've got this whole... Squ- We've got a whole generation of women just coming through menopause. Mm. They're the first generation of women in the workforce, They're the most educated women ever. We're going to live twenty or thirty years longer mm-hmm. than our grandmothers. And you know and, and all of a sudden we're just supposed to disappear. Um I think we are the unicorns. I think we are the the most untapped resource in business. And, again, you know, the Uninvisibility Project is out there going, we are here, we're amazing, look at us, see us, hear us, but also let us tell our story.
0: So do you think having a career in media, in creative and and creating advertising made you more finely tuned to the lack of visibility of older women or do you think it was just natural? Because, you know, um, when you say it and when I see the work that you're doing with the Uninvisibility Project, you go, oh, my God, there's all these amazing women there. But when they're not there in the media, it doesn't necessarily stand out for me. Now, that's because I'm a man and because I'm just used to getting bombarded with images. What? what
1: all right, so basically what started was because I became invisible.
0: I right, became personally. I
1: personally became invisible. I was out of work for three years. I had my hand oh my well and truly stuck up Governor, when the three percent conference came out saying there were no female creative leaders. I stuck my hand up so loudly. <laughs> I'm here, there we go, I'm here, completely and utterly ignored, but not only ignored, like had ageism directly to my face. Mm. So I would get told things like, Jane, i give you a job, but you'd end up as the old woman at the back of the creative department doing this shit that nobody else wants. Or my favorite, you may love the CIA, Jane, but the CIA doesn't love you. Oh God. Which was very much saying, this is a young person's business. And and how dare you even try and come back? That was the attitude that I, that, that, that I faced. Um, and I, you know, the point about you not seeing invisible women—it's like I find this is like when you're pregnant. When you're pregnant, all you ever see is, is other, pregnant. There's yeah. other pregnant women. When you become invisible, all you see is other, other, other invisible women. Okay.
0: And in my case, uh, having twins, suddenly I notice every other family that has twins, whereas you never saw them. You before. never saw okay. them before. So, so it's not unusual. For me, even though I may think of myself as enlightened, um, not to see this. But
1: we've also never existed before. I mean, you've got to yeah, understand that, you know, uh, w- w- when, I, when we were numbers, born, especially. you know, we had a life expectancy of 70. Yeah. So at 55, we were pretty much 15 years to go, mm. you know, ready to sort of settle down and, and, and disappear. But now we're going to be living till 90 or 100. We can't disappear. Yeah. And we're You've also, still got a
0: whole life to live. We've got half a generation. life
1: to live and it's a crisis. Um, in the UK, With women over 55 are the fastest growing group of successful suicides. In Australia, they're the fastest-growing group of homeless. Mm. And so, you know, again, it was like I looked at this, you know, and people are sort of like, you know, why why are you going further than just advertising and marketing? Okay, Because this is societal. This is actually well beyond just advertising and marketing. It was like we have never existed before. Women like us have never existed before. And so we've actually got to show up and stand up and, and, and be counted. Um, And, you know, I mean, one of the things that shocks people is as they go and see an invisibility project, they go, wow, these these women are amazing. Their stories are incredible. Half of them are not making a living. Half of them are not making a living. There are women on there that you would think would be incredibly successful or on housing benefits. Mm. And so, you know, we actually have to show up, stand up, and we actually have to start fighting a bit because, you know, it was like, and again, you know, we fought for things like maternity leave, we fought for equal pay, we fought for private pensions.
0: And still fighting.
1: But we never got any of this.
0: Yeah, yeah. We never, Sorry, we I was going to say, it's never been delivered.
1: But we, we fought for them <laughs> yeah, and everybody else is, 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 is benefiting from it, mm. except for us. We didn't have maternity leave, so we had a massive gap out of yeah. our, our careers if we had children. There were no private pensions when we started our careers. So even if we did start doing a pension, it was probably when we were in our mid to late 30s. Yeah. Um, so we're now finding that this group of women are unemployed, no pension savings and absolutely no 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 future ahead of them and 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 a world that doesn't see them
0: and and that gives you financial security but the other thing is the role of work i mean apart from working for your financial future there's also the sense of work as validating and giving meaning to your life you know it's really interesting on the a lot of men are taking early retirement because they get in the advertising industry and then at uh, 10 years down the track, they've played as much golf as they could possibly play. And they suddenly realise that they don't have that meaning anymore. And so they're trying to jump back in. So the, the role of work is so important in, you know, giving people meaning and validation, isn't it? Because I imagine during that three years, you must have been going crazy. Oh,
1: I was like absolutely in shock. Um, But also for me, it was like, I mean, I've been through quite a lot of shit in my life. Um, And the one thing that I've always been able to rely on is my talent. So yeah. to actually find that, what, I can't rely on that anymore, it was yeah. like, you know, to me it was absolutely devastating. Um, and I can also understand why women have such a great loss of confidence, particularly if it's hitting in the middle of menopause. Because, me- yeah. you know, at menopause, well, first all of all, you get a loss changes of, you've something. got all the physical changes going on. L- lack of confidence is one yeah. of those things. So add that with this level of, of invisibility and unemployability. And I can totally understand and relate to why women are committing suicide. Mm. I mean, I can totally understand Mm. it. Um, But also to your point, it was like, you know, men get so much of their self-worth out of what they do for a living. Mm. And women get so much self-worth out of being a mother. And I don't think, again, we give enough credit to that. So... You know, and, and you don't know whether you're gonna be a good mother until you're finished.
0: <laughs> True. Yeah. It was
1: like you know, and it was like so It's a
0: it's a lifetime project. It's isn't a it?
1: lifetime project. But you know, when you get to fifty five and you've got your kids to eighteen mm. and they're pretty decent human beings, yeah. you sort of go, Oh, actually, I can do that. And then all of a sudden there's this next half of life. It was like, okay, I, you know, and and I think a lot of women that maybe haven't had the confidence or the validation actually get that from the fact that actually I'm a good mum. I've actually done that job really well. So in the same way as men get, you know, from, I've done my job really well, it was like, I've done mothering really well. So then to sort of, as we said, take all of those skills And restart the career at a point where you can give it 100%. Because you cannot give 100% to your career, whether you have children or not, with all those chemicals running through your body. I mean, you know, I used to have one day a month where I would lie in bed going, what have I done? Have I said something wrong? Did I hurt somebody? Have I done something? I would, like, literally lie there for hours. It wasn't until I was 40 that I worked out that was PMT. Mm. And it's not until you get to the end of it, you don't realize what you've got until it's gone, of how much those hormones actually take away from brain space, um, how much time and energy that takes up. So when you get to the other side and it's just like this beautiful, clear, you go, fucking hell, is that what men have felt like all the time? Yeah, yeah. You get the confidence. I'm like, I mean, I remember going, bloody hell, this is what David Joga felt like at 22. Yeah. Uh, It was like, you know, so I think, you know, we need to be looking at this as as women at this time with no chemicals running through their body, their children have finished, you know, they've got their children grown up. They've actually got the time, the space. And more importantly, the energy, because, like, a massive boost of energy comes in after after menopause. So you've got 20 or 30 years, like, right, what am I going to do? You know, and, you know, again, we talk to one of these women, they're changing careers, they're starting writing books, they're going mm. off travelling, they're, you know, they're, they're not sitting at home going, oh, I'm invisible, the world the world doesn't care about me. It's like, oh, fuck the world, I'm, I'm off to do my own thing.
0: Which is what retirement used to be. You know, for everyone, retirement was that. And and as you say, you know, retiring at 55 or 60 Sixty and seventy is the average life expectancy. But you're right. You know, everyone is looking at a second life. You know, in fact, I think there's a university called the Second Life or the Third 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 Life. You know, the idea that you know this is a time that you've done all of those things. You know, you've been been a mother. You've worked. You've you know you've contributed, and now. Here's the opportunity for opening up those possibilities. What you're saying is that in actual fact, you get to this point and there's just not that much opportunity.
1: There's zero opportunity. Um and you know they you know, they're all out there millennials this, millennials that, and digital natives this and and you know they say that millennials are going to have lifelong learning and multiple careers, and we're going start with us. We're, we're pioneers. We 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 pioneer women in the workforce. Let's pioneer the second half of our lives. Let's pioneer new training. It was like it won't take us three years at university to learn something. We've got so much life experience that it doesn't take us long. We've already got the soft skills. Hard skills are easy to learn. So, you know, it was like, again, if we can change the attitude of, you know, our careers are now no longer 25 to 55 on a trajectory from bottom to top, that our careers are now 25 to 75, that could be, you know, troughs and plateaus and mm-hmm. you could take things easier for a little while. I mean, I hear so many women that are making decisions about having family out of fear. And I know so many women that are choosing not to have family out of fear. Or having family and trying to be super women, which Mm. is impossible. Um, So, again, it was like if we extend that sweet spot from 35 to 55, that gives us all space to actually be able to do our lives properly Mm. and not just be on this single career track.
0: Yeah. Because it's interesting um, how, going back to the advertising industry, when these conversations come up a lot of agencies say things like, oh, well, the client's not interested. The client wants to appeal to younger or, you know, millennials. The client wants to... And yet, you know, when you look at uh, a lot of the advertisers, marketing departments are actually uh, often now um, made up of, you know, men and women, and they're also, the most senior ones are the ones in those... That
1: age, Look, there's two sides that, to this. I think yeah. it's actually an individual problem. So at the 3% conference the other, uh, a couple of years, I think it was someone from either MasterCard or BarclayCard or somewhere, had said, I want to a senior woman on my account. And the agency kept on coming back going, no, there's no such thing. No, we can't find them. No, they don't oh, exist. Oh,
0: no. Yeah, OK.
1: So she went out and found her own. Mm. It was like, you know, but I know they exist. It was like, we all know that we exist. But this is, you know. This it is was the like,
0: invisibility? Th-
1: this is the invisibility because mm. we don't we don't because young groovy male ecds don't think that we're called groovy we don't exist so they're not going to have us in the department so so, but on the other hand you know it was like i had an incredible influencer who was cross-generational um was was like the most amazing woman in the world was about to take her into a major fashion brand and they came back and they went "No, our target market is 19 and we're not going And, and if anything we're going even younger well, And My response to that was who the fuck do you think buys this stuff with the 19 year old and again, it was like, you know I think that uh, the marketers are going to have a massive comeuppance if if we come into our power and recognize You know, we buy 47 percent of everything mm. that means we control half of all consumer spending, and that is the most important thing in any government economy. So, you know, if women of our age come into our power and we're fed up with brands they've ignored us for so long, I think our research just did the, the, this research that basically said, you've ignored us for so long, we don't give a shit about you.
0: Yeah, well, the big, uh, the big uh, word that everyone's bandering around in marketing is relevance. You know, how can we become more relevant to the audiences? And that's all sorts of audiences, but particularly the purchase decision makers who are actually you know the gatekeepers to household expenditure.
1: We are buy you know, and it's not that we're rich, it's the fact that we buy two and a half times more than anybody else because we're buying for two and a half times yeah, more yeah. people than anybody else. Yeah. So, you know, we 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 actually have as a consumer group, we are the most powerful consumer it's group. It's a on gatekeeper the role, isn't it? Absolutely. And if we come into our power and actually start using that, we can force the change. And I think, and and again, that's what the invisibility project is very much about, is is forcing this change. So, for instance, you know, it was like, you know, there's a lot of talk about, oh, you know, this is an important demographic, we should be talking to them and they're putting kids onto it yeah and it was like you would not get a group of teenagers talking to a group of 30 year olds so why would you get why would you think that it's any different for us it was like we didn't expect our part of our life to be like Mm. it is so how on earth can you imagine what it's going to be like to feel feel the way that we do? Yeah. So, you know, agencies, marketers, everybody should actually be making a concerted effort to get more older women in the workforce. Well,
0: it's interesting how you see a lot of work when it is targeted to the, the sort of 50-plus, 50, 50 55-plus. You... You see that the person doing it has got this image of a retiree that's actually more like 70 or 80, not 55, 60. They have this image of someone that's been completely, you know, sort was, of at the end of life.
1: I was talking to a young person the other day and I was saying, oh, we're so fed up of seeing Helen Mirren, and they were like, what the hell's wrong with Helen Mirren? I mean, mm. she's 74. Yeah. And they went, What? I said, did you think she was in her fifties? And then, I went, yeah, I said, so that's what your image of somebody in their fifties yeah. is. I said, somebody in their fifties is Elle Macpherson, Kylie Minogue,
0: yeah. Jennifer
1: Aniston. That's right. And Jane. it was like, you know, you've got to change your image as to what an old person, what older person is, or a midlife woman. You know, and again, I think this has been always been young and old. Yeah. But now there's middle. Yeah. It was like, and nobody talks about the middle, and the middle is the best bit. The best bit is always in the middle. And it was like, mm. it should be something to be
0: look, look look forward to. Well, it was always called a midlife crisis, but I don't think there's a crisis. It's again, not a it. crisis. Maybe at the all. crisis is that no one's caught up with the fact that it's midlife and it's a good thing.
1: But also, you know, in the old days, midlife was, oh, shit, the next bit's death. Yeah. It was like, now it's like midlife is, oh, 30, 40 years, so I'm going to be fit for 20 or 30 of them yeah. what am I going to do uh, it was like you know and great to all those people that have got fantastic superannuation but that's the blokes so, so, <laughs> so you, women you, don't have it seriously yeah, we've yeah, got true, 36% yeah. less less pension savings than men
0: and that's been based on you know uh, not having maternity leave and contributions
1: 48% of us don't even have a pension at all yeah so, you know, again, it's like if we don't do something about it, the economic impact on this is going to be no. enormous. And if we don't change our attitude right now, it's like in 20 years' time, economies are going to collapse from looking after destitute old women. Mm. So we've got, you know, it's, th- this isn't a nice to have, this is an absolute No, this destitute. is
0: absolute. But there's also the other side, which is the huge amount of wastage in human capital. Because there's so, as you said before, there's so much potential. But just sitting there waiting to be, you know.
1: Also, I think this comes down to this love of tech and digital natives. I mean, I joke that I played as much Club Penguin as any millennial <laughs> did because I was, but I was sitting there going, What's that penguin doing? Is that penguin supposed to be there? I was like, <laughs> but also, I'm sort of looking at it going, This is really interesting. I wonder what you could do with that for a different target market. Or, mm. you know, so when we were there for the birth of it all, we, we actually sort of like saw it all come mm. in. Now, the thing is, is that thought processes don't change that much. I mean, you know, it was like they had a return ship a couple of years ago. Um, I think it was Sapien and Nitro. And they were like, oh, yeah, we want, we want UX designers. I went, UX design didn't exist when we all left the industry. Mm. So putting an ad out there going, come to a return ship of UX designers, I said, you're going to get a bunch of 25-year-olds turn up." Yeah. I said, now, when we went to art school, we would get a brief of how to get somebody from a car park at an airport to the gate using signage. Yeah. That is no different than UX. That's UX. It is UX. And
0: and it's also, it's interesting, isn't it, because um, great UX design, like any design, is a absolute appreciation of the person that's going to be viewing it. You know, it's the understanding of... How do human beings navigate their way through any environment, whether it's a screen or it's, as you say, a car park and an airport? That's right.
1: And so we we learn all of those skills, but they were just in a different way. So, you know, to get us back in or to turn a graphic designer into a UX designer is a few weeks to learn Mm. a few new acronyms and a couple of new programs Mm. because the basic thought has never changed. Um, you know, and again, it was like you know, if a woman's been in marketing, yes, marketing has changed, but marketing has will never inherently change. So if you understand it, you understand it. Mm. Yes, you might need to some, some new, need to learn some new processes and some new buzzwords and things like that. But you know, yeah, it was like we don't you don't need to be going back to the start.
0: Do you see any particular areas where this is starting to happen? Yeah. You know, like you you referred before to like in film. There is in uh, Hollywood's almost like oh first of all they discovered that there was an audience called women that actually wanted to see stories about other women and not just men with their shirts off and beefcake not you know, but um, yeah you know, they started telling stories about women and then they started telling stories about older women now it's evolving but do you see that is you know sort of a, a lead. The other industries could follow.
1: Look, I think Julie Dreyfus, Julie, the, the, yeah. the 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 age of unfuckability, you know, yeah. it was like that, that <laughs> was was an absolute turning point for Hollywood because I think they just all of a sudden went, holy shit! Yes, we do get rid of women. Women are unfuckable, and yes, the advertising industry, you still do do that. Yeah. Um, and I think we know we need to learn a lot from from the industry, but also you know the box office is going to tell. I mean, I went and saw Ad Astra the other day, the, the latest yeah. Brad Brad Pitt, 120 minutes of Brad Pitt in close up on the screen. That's Absolutely, okay. <laughs> absolutely fantastic. <laughs> Bit of totally eye candy. But I got to the end of it and I went, another fucking film of a white guy with daddy issues. Yeah. I am so fucking bored of, you know. And it was like and the, I, I was actually at a, a, a director screening. So the director was like, you oh, know, we, well, we took Homer's Odyssey and we decided to look at it from a different character. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, you know, there have been more stories since Homer's Odyssey. It yeah, was yeah. like, you know, and, 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 you know, when you compare that to what you're watching on television, you know, when you're when you're seeing, you know, stories that we've never heard before and not just women it was like you know we're hearing minority stories it's crazy you know it was like you know i think we're finally breaking down the the years and years and years of patriarchal storytelling Mm. and you know this whole world is built on patriarchal stories it's like so it's interesting isn't it
0: because the sorry jane for cutting off but you know because the me too movement was particularly Prominent in the Hollywood movie industry. What, what I'm trying to you know, get a sense of is this uh, the start of the change that needs to happen, or is it an isolated point? Or you know, and what would the lag be? Because as you say, this is an issue. This is critical now. You know, we can't have an evolution that's going to take thirty years because in thirty years' time, this group of women are going to be destitute. You know, well before that.
1: Look, I think the thing is, is I, I you know, again, I think the other What we're facing at the moment is societal, and I think it goes back five or six thousand years. Yeah. So from when men started writing the stories. Now, you know, we created society. It was like you guys all went off hunting. You go away for three days. You come back. You bring one meal. Mm. While you were gone, we created agriculture, textiles, dwellings, society, communication, communication mm. everything, all of that. Then the men decided, worked out that it was their seed that made the babies. <laughs> so prior to that, we were goddesses on earth. We bled without dying and miraculously had children appear. Yeah. It was that. Then men decided, worked out that it was their seed that, that, and they took over all the stories. Now, you know, and for me, I, I find it absolutely hilarious. Nemesis, the great enemy. The the nemesis that everybody's after is the goddess of fucking justice. <laughs> it's the goddess of fucking justice. It was like, you know, we need to turn nemesis back into the good girl, the good yeah. guy. And the thing is is we've been built on these stories over and over again where women are marginalized, that, you know, once you're unfuckable, you would, you're supposed to either disappear off into the woods or be burned to the stake. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you know, and and so we actually have to change really, really, really basic thinking of, you know, this whole world has been built, the patriarchy has been built as a system that only benefits men, and it doesn't benefit all men. And I think the thing is, is that what we need to do is we need to take the gender out of this argument, and it needs to be people versus the patriarchy, because it's an unfair system of women, minorities, um, you know, and, yeah, it's, it's, and, and it's
0: unfair for everyone that's not in that not, uh, group of uh, self-determined born leaders, you know, that's the their perception. The privileged white male yeah, that yeah. don't
1: even realise how privileged they mm. are. And I think when men actually start realising how privileged they are um, and they actually start going, hold on a minute, this we, we need to give some of this power away. We need to actually help dis- destroy this system, which is not going to help us in the future. And I think, you know, at the moment, we're at the, the the head of a tech revolution, and it was like if we don't have as many voices—male, female, black—you mm. know, whatever sexual preference—actually creating this, we're going to end up with another revolution run by white guys that doesn't help anybody else. And, and we're
0: seeing that because the internet was all about democratising information and communication and s- almost all the time we're seeing this group of, you know, white privileged males wanting to commercialise it, wanting to control it, wanting to shut it down. The great thing is so far it's managed to resist that, that it's become platforms yeah, you know, the Uninvisibility yeah, Project. Yeah. One of the, your most visible things is the site with all these amazing stories and and you know great way of championing it. But then getting it into the other mass media, many mass media are controlled by, as you say, the patriarchy. So you know yeah. this is going to be resisted. Um, we need the gra- we need the groundswell. We and need there people.
1: are as many women. That support the patriarchy as are our men. Yeah. You know, it was like I you keep know, one of the things that was sort of thrown out back to us is, you know, women can be such bitches. I was like, yeah, women can be bitches, but they also can be on the side of patriarchy. They can profit from the patriarchy. Mm. And they have so much invested in it that they yeah, yeah, that they're gonna fight to tooth and nail for the for the end of it. I
0: think that's one of the reasons the handmaiden's tale that was serialized in on television or on you know um is, is so powerful because there are those groups you actually see in Highly dramatic and tension-filled area. You know the women that have bought into the patriarchy because it gives them power and influence, and then those that are the rebels resisting it. You know it's uh, such a powerful piece of storytelling because it's full of those examples. Story
1: is everything, and I think you know it was like all of our society is built on story. It's like, you know, finally, after five or six days, I mean, women weren't even allowed to read till 150 years ago. (laughs) So there's an awful lot of narrative to rewrite. Mm, Um, But I think, you know, the the world is open to the new stories.
0: There's also a generational change. and, And I think it's because you pointed out before, you know, you and I were born in that gap. But then post that, we're seeing a lot of... Young men that have been raised by single mothers or working mothers, and have grown up with a very strong appreciation of the capability of that the, those women, um, and they're taking into the workforce and into positions of influence a appreciation of the fact that these are you know these are. Uh, Unfair circumstances and, do you think that's that, happened? I think
1: the men of our generation also really do suffer. I mean, you know, like, you know, I've I've had some horrendous things happen in my career and some horrendous bullying um, And I think that comes from the fact that we actually had a generation of men that were brought up incredibly privileged They were told that, you know, they'd find a woman. They were going to be the the the, the breadwinner um, That they'd have this woman. She'd marry them. They'd have kids. She'd look after the house um, you know, and and that was the way it was going to be. And I think a lot of these men be, felt really cheated that what they were expected to get, they didn't get. And that, you know, these that they didn't have the subservient women that were going to mm. bow to them. And so I think that generation has has a tremendous amount of problems from the program in had growing up to the reality of what they faced. And I think yeah. that's why the divorce rate absolutely shot through the roof, because we weren't going to be subservient anymore. And we were going to have our own lives. Yeah. But I think the generation, I mean, the, the, the young men today are remarkable. Mm. Um, and the generations that are coming up are remarkable. I mean, I sort of said, you know, my, my 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 18-year-old daughter now, I mean, she said to me a couple of years ago, "Mummy, you're a radical feminist. And I was like, oh, I don't know whether I'd say I was radical. She goes, no, 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 it's all right, Mum, you are radical. <laughs> and was I'm like, proud of that. <laughs> she was like, and it's fine because you actually, you know, walked the walk and you did shit. It yeah. was like, she said, I can't stand radical feminists that mm. just talk and don't do anything. She said, but, you know, it's got to become totally equal. And for her, it's like there's no difference between boys and girls. Mm. And, that, you know, sort of, you know, why are you putting women first? And it was like, well, because we still have to. There's still things that need to be changed. But, no, for your generation, it's an even playing field.
0: Mm. My, uh, my mother was born in 1940. I used to like what she said. She said men and women are equal but different. And it's the differences that make life interesting. But the thing we can't forget is that we are absolutely equal in every way.
1: Absolutely. And
0: and a lot of people she said that to, because, you know, for, for a, a woman that had a humble beginning, she achieved quite a bit of influence in mm-hmm. her life. Um, but a lot of men that she said that to, they just couldn't get it. They couldn't equate equality being different to difference, you know, or the same as difference. That so They thought, well, if we're different, we can't be equal. No.
1: Oh look, they're know, two
0: different measures.
1: One of the reasons why we struggled so much when we came into the workforce as the first women in the workforce was because the only, the only image that men had of what a feminist was was Margaret Thatcher. <laughs>
0: That's so a, they were like, oh, That's a terrifying thought. That is
1: a terrifying mm. thought. And for them, it was like, oh, my God, we're going to fill our companies with little baby minute Margaret Thatcher's. <laughs> Margaret,
0: yeah. <laughs> Baroness Thatcher.
1: Yes. So you can sort of understand, uh, you know, in, in the 80s, it was like, you know, a feminist was either Margaret Thatcher or a Green and Common demonstrator. Yeah. There was nothing in between. Mm. So, you know, most of us kept it quiet that we were feminists because we didn't want to be tired with that brush. Oh,
0: yeah. There were so many clichés, oh. there? Oh. Like the you birdies. Know, Burning and yeah, and it was all trying to do, diminish oh, the, the importance you know, of the, the the
1: amount of times I was called a hairy-legged lesbian. <laughs> I can't, you know, I can't tell you how many times it was like, a, you know, as if being a lesbian was a bad thing to begin yeah, with. First but of all, you know, yeah. it was just like absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. But, you know, what I'm sort of saying now is, is like somebody the other day was like, you know, um, so, you know, how do we get men involved in the conversation then? And I mean, just wait, I've been waiting 44 fucking years. I'm fed up of waiting. <laughs> Seriously, I Yeah, let's out. just
0: I'm, keep having the conversation <laughs> if they want to join in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. yes yeah, so I, I, I'm, I'm so fed up of waiting for them. Um, and the thing is, is that, you know, the patriarchy is matrix against us. So we weren't allowed to, we, we didn't, you know, identify as feminists because we'd be seen as non-professional or a hairy-legged lesbian. Um, and so, you know, it was like, and I'm sort of saying now it's the time for the men to be the hairy fucking videos. It was like, you know, we were the ones that had to, you know, we had to say things that were unpopular. We had to stand up against unpopular opinion. And I'm sorry, but I think it's time that guys actually, you know, if you, if you seriously believe in this, it's time for you to stand up and start talking. Because you know, it was like we've been doing this for too long and we're out, of, we're not bored, bored, of it.
0: Jane, we've run out of time. It's been fantastic catching up with you. I uh, really appreciate you making the time. One last question. Uh, through your career, could you name one person that did the most for helping you shape the direction of your life?